0: Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Gerfeld, and I'm joined every week by my co-host, Rocky Belodi, where we talk about all things markets, wealth, tax, and much more. Whether you're just starting your wealth journey or have an established family office that you've been running for decades, we hope and we think that you'll find something valuable in our podcasts. This is the part where I tell you that nothing that Rocky and I talk about should be taken as specific investment advice. We take a lot of time with our clients to learn about their specific needs before we ever recommend anything. So, before you put a dime of your own money at risk, please speak with us or talk with your financial advisor. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Rocky Baloti, who many of you might not be familiar uh, with yet. He's a recent um, recent, uh, recently joined member of the Rosedale family office. And he's uh, brought his team over because he um, wanted to be part of one of the largest, fastest growing family offices in Toronto. Um, and him and I are going to be launching a weekly or bi weekly podcast series uh, where we talk about wealth, family offices, and all things to do with the markets. So, Rocky, thanks for joining me and looking forward to uh, many of these in the future.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Noah. Thank you for the introduction.
0: So, maybe just as a first crack at Rocky, to introduce yourself a little bit more to the audience, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from?
1: Sure. Yeah, I don't know how far back we want to go, but uh, (laughs) one one of the things I always like to share is the fact that I had zero intention of uh, being a financial advisor and being in this world of uh, providing investment advice. I actually originally went to law school and uh midway through i thought to myself i hope i don't have to actually do this for the rest of my (laughs) life so i uh i finished um because that's just that old european mentality that what you start you have to finish and ultimately i'm very fortunate to be doing something i absolutely love uh while still using some of that legal background where necessary so um where where i started and where i ended up are, are two different places but I was in investment banking at Dundee, uh, and then from there, was able to work at an investment advisory firm, and I I feel like I have finally found home, which is Rosedale Family Office.
0: Well, that's great. I think uh, that's always what our team and and I know uh, you try to aspire to with our clients is to create a place that they feel like home. Um, Rocky, I actually think it's an interesting conversation since you're coming in. With uh, relatively fresh eyes into the family office world, to talk a little bit about what a family office is and um, what clients may or may not know about working with a family office because it is a relatively new concept in the Canadian wealth market.
1: It is, and, and I think you know the, the idea of any industry, what they're doing, the good ones, you know, remaining competitive are vertically integrated. And if you look at any business, whether, you know, we can look at something, for example, so basic as, you know, personal training, you could be training as much as you possibly can. uh, And it could be seven days a week. But if your eating habits aren't following, you're just not going to get the result. So the way we look at wealth management, uh, you know, being part of Rosedale now, uh, since January, what's really opened our clients' eyes is, We really want continuity in the goal and so if the ultimate goal is to build more wealth well tax plays a big part of that uh, equation so it's it's continuity in the plan and ensuring that everything aligns whether it's tax estate planning insurance and i think what you'll realize is when you go through the process with a family office kind of the last conversations about the investment side of it. Rather, the first conversation is, where are you today? Where do you want to be? What does your business look like? How do things unfold in the future? Succession planning. And then, uh, inevitably, money and capital becomes part of the conversation. But I think that's the key, is that it's part of the conversation, not the entire conversation.
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, I found... A good analogy that I I tend to use in my own head and also when I'm speaking with people is it's kind of the difference between a specialist in the medical field and your family doctor or your GP. Um, Lots of investment professionals in the past have been specialists and you go to them for a specific issue, whether it's to invest in a fund or because you want high returns. Um, And then you go to someone else for your tax, for example. Um, but with family offices and with your family doctor, you go to that one person for your yearly or monthly or quarterly checkup, and they know all about your medical um, history and what's ailing you, and they're able to help facilitate that medical journey for you. And that's what we, I think, fundamentally at a family office try to do is we know all about our clients' lives from tail, and then we help them navigate the world of finance in whatever way that leads um, whether it's through investments or tax or broader corporate planning, um, or even just talking to their kids about what a TFSA is. Uh, we really strive to do it all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the family approach is really important because, you know, you know, call it 15, 20 years ago, a lot of uh, families would say, well, I leave that to him or I leave that to her. And I think it's really important that we look at our clients as a family, And what a family entails is the husband, wife, and and children. And we look at the entire picture rather than, you know, we have uh, typically heard this in the past where it's, well, I just let my husband deal with that or I just let my wife deal with that. I think that's um, a fragmented approach because in every family, there's continuity that needs to take place in order for the family wishes to, um, you know, live beyond their lives. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever actually asked you this, Rocky. Did you ever have
0: questions from clients when you moved over um, to join the Rosedale family office being like, Oh, I'm, I, I don't need a family office. I'm not big enough for um, any pushback
1: in that way. Because I guess that's sometimes talking to people that they think that they don't
0: need a family office.
1: Definitely. I had, uh, you know, individuals and, and, uh, people thinking to themselves well you know i don't think that my wealth is the size that i would need all the services of a a, you know of a family office the one thing that i always like to point out to them is that if we have 15 services available to you and you only require two of them today the balance of those services will be required at some point in your lifetime so Mm -hmm. i think the fact that we're vertically integrated whether you need tax advice when you're first starting out building your business or whether you need the tax advice, when you sell your business, which are two different points in your life, inevitably you're going to need the tax advice. And I think that, you know, the fact that we can pull on those resources as needed on an a la carte basis, uh, that's what separates us from the crowd. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think it's also important for people to realize that like,
0: even though the word family office often conjures up, like images of Rockefellers or some like uber wealthy family, um, it, it's really not those types of people that tend to benefit from a true family office. Though they do, because there's complexity in the everyday financial situations of people, and a family like office like ours is um, actually not a very expensive way to get that bundled service. Um, like you don't need to be that billion dollar family to have a family office. You can do it very affordably through a multi-family group like ours. Um, And you most assuredly, as you pointed out, are gonna need uh, some, if not all, of those 15 services um, throughout the course of your life.
1: Yeah, and I think people underestimate the cost of broken telephone, right? So if you think of, well, let me call my accountant and then I'll let you know what they say. Oftentimes, if one person had the entire picture rather than pieces of the picture, and you're trying to puzzle it all together as the client, really that's not your job. Your job is to have a team uh, and, and employ that team to make sure that within your overall plan, everything fits with one another. So that's where I think, again, we differentiate. We, we actually take the burden on of, let us contact your accountant and let us contact your lawyer so that way we're all on the same page and we can report back to you rather smaller you know firms out there that don't believe in the family office approach and think well you can have your own accountant your own uh, tax advisor your own you know uh, a firm that's going to do evaluation on your business etc that's and your own lawyer you know to draft uh, wills or powers of attorney or do some estate planning again they often time You know, there's conversations that end up happening three times, uh, which takes time out of your schedule. And often, you know, you look at our clients, a lot of them run their own business and are very, very successful at running their own business. But you can't run your own business and run your own, you know, financial planning all successfully. You you really should be focusing on growing your business and leave the planning uh, to us, to quarterback for you. Mm hmm. Yeah, and we do get to do some
0: uh, cool stuff with our clients, too. Um, it's not all planning and uh, and investments. Like, when you actually take the family approach, I notice we start to get involved with things like, oh, this, this home I'm looking to purchase, does it make sense? Where should I get the money from? Um, or, like, clients wanting to buy boats and things like that. You, you get really into the weeds on the day-to-day financial lives of people in a way that, um, a, a group that's just your investment advisor doesn't help you with.
1: Yeah, that actually leads me to a conversation I just had uh, earlier this morning where a client was looking at uh, purchasing a, a vacation property because we're all, you know, stuck in our homes and we're just waiting for obviously the situation, the health crisis to get better. Um, but when you you start to stew in your own thoughts, sometimes you think irrationally. And I think having a a point of contact, being myself or, you know, with your clients, we can really rationalize it with someone and say, well, let's really look at the numbers. And and does this make sense to do? Or is this an emotional decision? And more Mm -hmm. often than not, it's, you know, not, you know, what are the investment returns like, but where did we add value and adding value is not just in investment returns adding value is in making some really key decisions in your life and us being able to guide you through those decisions and the end of this conversation resulted in the math doesn't make sense to own this place in fact i'll rent it for two months a year and and leave the keys behind and uh, keep my capital working for me and uh, that was the best result. but they needed to have that conversation with a third party that really was unbiased as to whether they think they should be you know purchasing this vacation property or not. So I think we're, we're a great resource for people not only with financial specific questions, but even lifestyle you know I'd love to own a vacation property. Does it make sense? Um, we can actually rationalize, the decision to do it
0: or not to do it with them. Yeah. I I mean, a bunch of stories are coming to mind as you're saying that, but like even the simple thing, like I had a client that absolutely hated uh, like cooking lunch and dinner for himself and and his family didn't like doing that either. So they, they just really wanted to know, like, can we afford to like engage a meal service to just have food delivered to our house every day? And it's sometimes like the simple things like that, that like people don't want to figure out for themselves. And, Aren't those big-ticket expenses, but that you can help a client work through that really make all the difference to someone's lifestyle.
1: Definitely, and and you know I'll, I, we've we we have not been uh, through the 0809 crisis. You and I, Noah, but uh, I mean I mean as as advisors, uh, we went through it obviously, but not as advisors. I was actually mm-hmm. in law school at the time, and what I can say is we have now been through a very severe uh, market correction or bear market, which didn't last very long. But what I, what I vividly remember was clients now saying to me, you know, one year post when this started, a little more than a year now, is you talked me off the ledge a few times. And, you know, even when you or I are on the phone with them, there's always, always some element of doubt but we know that it is our job to stand up and let people know that this too shall pass. And I think that th- there is no real number in terms of value that you can place on knowing you have someone to call and lean on when you think the sky is falling. And we experienced that uh, back in March where you know, literally the end of the world conversations were happening daily. And uh, today I can confidently say that Clients have reached out and said, you know, when you said, don't worry, they will find a solution for this eventually. And, you know, there will be a vaccine and, you know, the death rate will decrease and New York one day will reopen. Um, you know, these are all things that they thought never are these, going, these you know, three things going to happen. And if we look at today, um, I mean, we now know New York, July 1st, is looking to uh, reopen completely. Yeah. There, there's actually been a bunch of
0: good news this week, so that, that's a good transition to like some of the headlines that we've seen. New York's reopening completely. Um, one of them that I saw, Rocky's, at Disneyland's reopening this week. Which, like, if you had asked me six months ago, I would have thought, "Oh, there's no way they're going to be opening this year." Um, but things have turned a corner so quickly; it's actually pretty remarkable, especially in the U.S.
1: Definitely, and you know, we, we're looking at this on a local basis because we're. You know predominantly here we're in ontario or in toronto or in the gta and uh you know we we are all feeling it but if we were in florida or texas or you know one of the other countries in the the states uh, we we really would have the mindset of wow that was tough and it's behind us we we still don't have that mindset yet because here it's still right in front of us our lives are very different today uh than they were pre-pandemic but rest assured, you know, this too shall pass even here uh, in in Ontario, and, you know, that leads me to status of reopening and what is traffic levels uh, look like. So we look um, specifically at driving, walking and transit and globally, uh, it's almost at pre-pandemic levels. So, uh, again, another really good uh, indicator that uh, we are on the road to recovery. In some places, much further ahead and in some places, uh, as, like Ontario, a little behind. But uh, we are making progress as a, as a world.
0: So let's stop on that for a second, Rocky. Um, so you mentioned traffic levels. So what traffic, uh, like retail traffic or, or what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, just uh, transit, right? So if you look at, you know, I remember uh, vividly Himalaya showing us a picture of what a subway uh look like and, and pre pandemic and post and obviously pre they're full and post they're empty well you know again this is something that is you're you're seeing people take public transportation a lot more today than uh, 3 or 6 months ago and globally you know and specifically in the in the US um and and here we are seeing those levels the highest they've ever been since the pandemic started and almost at pre pandemic uh, level so again, really good indicators that things are getting better. CDC also just uh, put out some news with respect to masks and obviously uh, we all know that in some states um, and and Israel for for example there is no more mask requirement uh, and and this is not having a negative impact so it's very easy to change a rule and then say yeah that happened but then well look there was massive outbreaks. Um, That has not happened, Uh, and we are, you know, starting to realize that the vaccine does work. So it's the rate at which we could um, essentially get people vaccinated, especially the more vulnerable population.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, even just anecdotally, Rocky, like, I have a friend um, that spent some time during the year down in Miami, and maybe three weeks ago at this point, he sent me a video uh, of himself at a bar, and it was just, like, jam-packed. Like, you wouldn't yeah. have even known that COVID was a thing. And part of me when I saw that was a little taken aback. And I, I was like, ooh, I don't know if I would have gone there. Um, but, like, Florida cases don't seem to be rising. Like, the vaccines are working. So, I think it's just always a good reminder to remember that, uh, yeah, there we will come out of this. And even though things in Ontario still seem a little bit dire, things are reopening around the world faster than we can even imagine.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, it's always nice to look at, well, what happens when – the vast majority of the population does get vaccinated. And we look at Israel, things go back to normal. And that's what we always have to look at, that at some point in time, um, we will look and feel uh, how Israel is doing today. We are behind, definitely. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. If if the entire, you know, uh, states, for example, of Florida wasn't where it is today, that's because the vaccines didn't really work, but clearly vaccination does work, so we just have to get on uh, vaccination, which I know we're at the beck and call of our government, but uh, we slowly but surely we are we are picking up vaccinations uh, daily, and our our rate is going down our daily rate of uh, infections. in fact, our death rate's the lowest it's ever been
0: yeah it's it's awesome. Um, and, and very exciting to see some of those vaccine trends picking up. And uh, this week um, we just saw in Ontario, it's going to be announced that anybody over the age of 18 come the end of May will be eligible for vaccine. So um, things are opening up very quickly. And uh looks like it's going to be a good summer.
1: Yeah, definitely. What I would tell, what I would tell people right now is get ready for the reopening. You know, it's going to be a party and um, we're all going to look back at this. So, you know it's it's coming sooner than you think so definitely you know plan for it because uh, it will come it will <laughs> get come. The, get
0: those trips booked people um, exactly it it's interesting because like as with most things the market has been super forward looking with uh the whole covid uh crisis and the resulting economic reopening um and the market is back at, at all time highs basically across the board um and we've seen really strong strength both in in tech names, but also in some older economy names like oil and gas and your uh, your airlines and your banks and, and good dividend-paying stocks like that. Um, this week, it's kind of interesting. It was an absolutely blowout week for tech earnings. Um, Amazon posted some of their best earnings ever, and yet the stock was down. And I've been getting some calls from people just wanting to understand what's going on with markets. And so I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of share our thoughts on that and Kind of decipher the dynamics for some clients.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we, we obviously know there's a ton of expertise in our group on you know where where are we in the market cycle and are are things overvalued or undervalued, and that's where we can prove our value. Really looking at a company and saying you know is it too far beyond where we think the true value is, or or is there still room and one thing that always you know, uh, reminds me of looking at evaluation of a company is Himalaya always talks about we can't overpay. And that has been fundamental to the success of Rosedale Family Office that we cannot get caught up in the Amazons of the world uh, or the Teslas or the DocuSigns, etc. Just because they go higher every day doesn't mean that trend will continue. So I think you know fundamental analysis uh, always prevails, and when you look at you know fundamentals of any any company, if something you know whether it's an earnings multiple, et cetera, is just beyond uh, human understanding, then I think that we do a very good job of staying away from it. Uh, and and I think that you know segues nicely into cryptocurrency, which I've been I, I can't I can't. Imagine how many calls we've all uh, received on, should we own Bitcoin? Um, yes or no. I think it could be part of the future. I think my kids are going to be buying their house with Bitcoin. Um, you know, how do we play in this space? And Noah, maybe you can shed some light on, on color on, uh, you know, a, a holding that we, we really like, which provides us exposure to that space with a lot less risk.
0: Yeah, and, and just to preface it, like none of this is specific investment advice. Um, it, as Rocky mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast, we spend a lot of time with our clients, learning about them and their financial uh, situation before we ever recommend an investment. It can often take months before we invest client money. Um, so nothing you hear now is specific investment advice. Um, but Rocky's completely right that we're looking at Bitcoin and trying to decide... One, is this something that's going to be a big part of the future? And two, if so, how do we invest in it? And there's kind of always two options when you're trying to invest in something. You can either invest in it directly or you can invest in the things that make it work. Uh, The so-called picks and shovels um, for the railways. You can either invest in a railway or you can invest in the picks and shovels that make the railways possible. Um, And we almost always tend to take the picks and shovels route. And there's a really simple reason for that. One is we never want to be in a situation where we're trying to pick the winners and losers of a new trend. Um, I'm sure there's many smart people out there that tell me exactly why the next big cryptocurrency is gonna be Bitcoin or gonna be Ethereum. Um, I know a lot of people that uh, think it's gonna be Dogecoin. It's at like a $400 million valuation now or something ridiculous like that. Um, And we never want to be in that business of trying to pick a winner or a loser. We want to make money no matter who wins. Um, Rocky, I know you have a really good analogy about it, which uh, I'll I'll let you share with us because I think it really captures it perfectly. But um, we'd always rather be the toll taker that no matter who, um, which cryptocurrency wins and who's transacting with it, we're making money per transaction. So there's a great company that we're looking at and have invested in for some clients now um, called Tisserve, which is probably the largest financial services company that you've never heard of but they're basically a transaction processor and a payments processor. Um, and they process payments in uh quote unquote traditional currency, like U S dollars and Canadian dollars. Um, and they're really moving into the crypto space uh, and will help um, vendors and companies and institutions transact in cryptocurrency in the future. So we are very happy to own a company like that, that's exposed to crypto. Um, in a way that they're going to make money on every single crypto transaction that happens. Um, but we don't want to be exposed to the underlying coins because, one, it's not our area of expertise. And two, I don't think anybody knows which one's going to be the dominant currency in the future.
1: Yeah, and I think, Noah, you're, you're up, you're bang on with the, the analogy there. And I, I try and always simplify things and, and use analogies because, it, as as we all know, a picture is a thousand words, and I wish I had a picture. So I try what I try and do is paint a picture. So imagine you're sitting at a uh, in a casino and you're at the roulette table, you know there's kind of three options. you know, do you want to be the dealer, which is going to take a rake on no matter what the outcome is, or do you want to pick a number, or do you want to pick a color? and you know speaking about roulette specifically? So as we all know, if you pick a number, it's like picking the next best coin, you know? If you pick a number, you're gonna do really well if you're right and you could, uh, there's a high probability of, of loss there. But if you pick a color, you got a 50% chance, but, or, or le- a little less than 50 because there's a double zero there. But if you're the dealer, then you win no matter what. So we look at, at uh, FistServe as we're the dealer and they process four in every 10 transactions in the United States. Uh, So if you look at them as a dealer, we are gonna win no matter which coin or which number appears. Does that make sense, Ella?
0: Yeah, it it really does. And I I think it's actually a great way to look at all of investments, um, because those are kind of the two ways that you can make money off of something. You can own the thing, or you can own the structure that supports the thing. Um, and lots of times, whether it's the internet, whether it's uh, the, the wave of computers in 2000, 2001, um, it was really those picks and shovels companies, the dealer companies, as you put it, that uh, make a lot of the money because they're not reliant on which underlying
1: technology wins;
0: they make money no matter who wins.
1: Exactly, and I think that if if, if we can be in a position that we can say, you know, we're moving the needle forward no matter the outcome of something we have no control over that really puts our mind at ease as you know really a a steward for your capital so
0: yeah and i think that's kind of a great point and maybe something we should mention rocky is there are some investment managers that they're really interested in the absolute return like they're trying to get the highest possible number they can every single year um and in some ways we're like that as well of course we want to make as much money for clients as possible every year. But we, the thing that we obsess over and the thing that we think about constantly is what's our downside risk here and how do we protect capital? For a lot of our clients, like it's the money that they have today is the result of sometimes generations of hard work. Um, and they're very interested in protecting that money and seeing it grow responsibly. So anytime we're thinking about a new investment, we're always thinking about what could go wrong and how can we minimize the downside risk on something.
1: Definitely. And I I think, again, you know, it kind of ties right back into two things. One is we're a family office. You know, we're going to treat your family as if you're part of our family. And secondly, is this concept and this idea of authenticity, you know, no matter what, how much capital a human being has, whether it's a billion dollars or, you know, whether you're Elon Musk or whether, um, you know, it was when I was a kid and I was working at the grocery store, we're both human and we're yeah. just like anyone else. So, you know, he gets up in the morning and has a cup of coffee. And like, There's really no, no science, no, there's no hidden agenda. Everyone is just uh, part of the family and we're going to do our absolute best to uh, provide continuity and good advice. Yeah, not to make a joke out of it, but I think
0: in the case of Elon Musk, he's probably much better at memeing than I am. I don't know if anybody follows his <laughs> twitter account but he's quite funny on there
1: <sighs> yeah definitely uh his 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 style of thinking i mean uh it, it's just how can i make the world a better place uh and that's that's really his uh his motive
0: yeah and it's, it's cool he's uh he's been a really interesting and in some ways um uh well he he can be uh he's a bit of a lightning rod he attracts a lot of criticism and he attracts a lot of um, praise, obviously, because lots of what he's done is super praiseworthy, but um, his company SpaceX, which we actually had the opportunity to invest in um, sometime last year, it has been so cool to watch from its starts, And now it's just been selected by NASA to put uh, the first American astronaut and a generation on the moon. Um, so it's even the stuff like that, when you get to invest in something that's truly transformative and changes the human race like that, it's a pretty cool moment
1: definitely and I I think you know if you can go to work every day trying to make an impact in someone else's life um, that is something to be excited to get up tomorrow morning and doing we're we're very fortunate that we are in that position that we can make a real difference and that's what we want to continuously do with this podcast is share some stories with you and and make make a difference
0: yeah yeah I think that's that's a great place to end it, uh, Rocky. Maybe just to sign off to our audience going in the weekend, if we can give them uh, some some reading advice or maybe something to watch to uh, take up some of the time on their COVID weekends.
1: Yeah, I can You know, I, I wish I was a TV buff and I love watching Netflix or, you know, a specific show. I, I definitely leave that to my wife, Katrina. She's great at picking shows. And then I just tag along, even if she's on episode <laughs> five. I say just play it from here, and and I'll figure it out. And then I ask 500 questions, uh, so I don't have any TV Oh, I would hate show. watching TV with you. Yeah, I'm I'm the worst. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Charlotte, my daughter, she's two years old. I'm sure at some point she'll say, Dad, like you just stop asking questions or start from the beginning. So I'm not the right guy to ask for what show to watch. Um, but what I can say is, um, you know, there's a ton of really good ways in which you can get uh, quality literature down to five minutes. So there's this app called Blinkist. And you always think to yourself, I'd love to read that book, and I'd love to read that book. And, uh, you know, I always look at time as as value. So if I can read five books in uh, in an hour, um, then I'd love to do it. And that's what this app has done. So it's called Blinkist. And essentially, it summarizes a book down to 10 minutes. Um, so it's a cool little app, and uh, essentially any anything you're interested in, whether it's cooking or you know uh, green energy, you could find a book on it and download that knowledge uh, to your brain in 10 minutes. So there's there's my take for the weekend.
0: Nice. Have you uh, have you enjoyed using Blinkist? Like, do you find you're able to like absorb all that info in in five, 10 minutes?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's a really good way of, of downloading knowledge, uh, if you don't want to spend the time. And obviously there's nothing like reading the entire book, but if you want to get the gist of uh, the main points in the book, um, Blinkist, either A, um, you can read it in bullet, bulletproof or, uh, I'm sure everyone's been walking quite a bit. I mean, I've walked the most I've ever walked in my life in the last six months and, uh, I'll go on a walk and play a book um, through Blinkist, and uh, it's an uh, it becomes audio. So, yeah, I, I definitely find it very effective. Um, some people prefer, you know, reading a paperback book with a cup of coffee. Uh, I prefer to walk outside, stay active, and listen to uh, an audio book on there. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I'm not a big Netflixer either,
0: um, except with my fiance. But there's a book I'm reading this weekend, so. For those that don't know, and Rocky, I actually don't know if you know this about me. I'm a bit of a chess nerd. I'm really into playing chess. Um, okay. And there's this this book written by a, a journalist in the UK called The Rookie. Uh, it's written by this guy named Stephen Moss. Um, and it's basically about him not knowing how to play chess and then, like, over several years learning how to play and going to compete in tournaments. And um, anyways, it, it's uh, kind of a nice, quick non-fiction book um, that I've just picked up and have been enjoying, so... If you have any interest at all in the world of chess, um, I'd recommend it. It's very well written.
1: That's uh, yeah, that's good advice. I mean, I uh, I definitely have a few books that I've read in the in the last uh, quarter here, but I'll uh, I'll share them on our next podcast and try and really kind of summarize what they're about in a sentence or two for for next time. So, thanks, Noah. I think this was great. I'm excited to be. Uh, part of Rosedale Family Office now permanently and part of the team. And I really look forward to sharing with our audience uh, some stories.
0: Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Rocky. I'm really looking forward to these in the future. You have a good day. You too.